Welcome to another edition of Bound for Justice. I'm Charlotte Wilson. I'm Rachel Rosman. And I'm Sharissa Foley. So we're doing something a little bit different this week. We are recording remotely. Woohoo! We did Woo-hoo. it. <laughs> yeah. So so normally every week we get together um, in my basement, um, and that's when we record the podcast together all in one location. Um, but one of the things that we had talked about a few weeks ago, thinking about what we want for the future of the podcast, we want to be a little bit more consistent in um, our uh, regularity of posting. And so that means we need to do things a little bit differently and be a little bit more flexible. So um, this week it was hard for us to align our schedules. And we said, okay, well, we need to figure out how to do this remotely um, so that we can meet more often. So um, for us newbie podcasters, I'm pretty excited about the fact that um, we are doing this. Where there's a will, there's a way. That's right. I just have to find so, different ways to come over now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know we definitely enjoy getting together for lots of reasons beyond just uh, doing the podcast. Um, so you're always welcome, Rachel. <laughs> just call before you come. Um, so I know last week we talked a little bit about um, your float spa experience, Sharissa. And Rachel, you mentioned that you're going to be going to the float spa. Um, since then, you've gone. My you experience need a report. is a little different from Sharissa's, I think. <laughs> um, it was it was fine. I don't know. I don't know that I'll go. I'll do it again. But they gave you rules like don't touch your face, and I thought, or like don't don't get salt water in your eyes. And I thought I'll be able to handle this. I'm not a child. But then I itched my face and salt water like went up my nose and in my eyes, it like dripped off my hands. And um, I panicked a little bit. It w- I coughed and uh, I lost track of time. I thought 15 minutes was an hour. It was a whole a whole thing for me. But it was it was relaxing. But I, I couldn't really turn my mind off like I guess you're supposed to. Could you, Sharissa? Did you turn your mind off? Um, it took me a while. It wasn't until the very end. Um... But the employee that was there said it takes you three or four times to kind of learn how to do it right. So so he he said that most people don't fall asleep the first time they do it. So um, he said it takes practice. And I remembered I was trying to count my breathing so I would kind of calm my mind down. But it, it took a lot of concentration to not think. I thought that I should have been thinking. Like I was like, maybe I should set some goals for my life right now. <laughs> As I stare into this abyss, <laughs> but but I didn't do that either. So so yeah, well, I, I, I mean it was it was fun. It was a good experience. Well, I have another uh, session scheduled for uh, this weekend, so I hope. Wow. I hope it keeps. I hope it. it I got a free uh, float for my birthday, so I decided to take them up on it. <laughs> so that's really nice. Wow. So why not, right? Why not try it again? So mm-hmm. uh, I can report back. Maybe I can give you some tips, Rachel, as I become an expert. <laughs> Maybe so Rachel, did you Charlotte say you would try you? it again? I mean, I could. I wasn't. Yeah, I would definitely want to try it. Yeah. But, yeah, but you guys should go and, and try it out. That way Charlotte's not an outcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're always thinking of others. <laughs> <laughs> Well, for those of you listening, feel free to share your float spa experiences. We'd love to hear them. (laughs) So um, this week we are actually um, 
talking about a PBS special that aired earlier this month. Um, It was the Kennedy Center Mark Twain Prize, which was awarded to Dave Chappelle for the year 2019. Um, And this is an annual award that's been given since 1998. And it um, is named after the 19th century humorist Mark Twain. And it's presented to individuals who have had an impact on American society in ways similar to Twain. Um, So for those of you who may not be familiar with Dave Chappelle, uh, he's an internationally recognized comedian and actor, and his trademark is his wit and sharp, irreverent social commentary, which explores race, pop culture, sex, drugs, politics, and fame. And he actually uh, lives in a small town here in Ohio, not very far from us here in Columbus. And there's been a few times that I visited um, the town that he lives in. And I always think to myself, I wonder if I'm going to see Dave Chappelle today. (laughs) Um, I know that there's been several of my friends that have encountered him in public. And everybody always says how like down to earth and kind of normal he is. And I think it'd be really cool to sit down and have a conversation with him. Um, Have either of you ever had a Dave Chappelle sighting? Not yet. I have not been that fortunate. Yeah, I haven't really been to that town that much. I keep wanting to go because I've heard like, it always has really cool, like not maybe not always, but it has a lot of little festivals and and such that I always want to go to. Um, but I don't really make my way out there that much. I've it's driven a, through there a, a lot, actually. <laughs> it's a pretty cool town, a little hippie town, lots of really cool shops and restaurants and uh, lots of outdoor things to do there. So we yeah, might like have to food. take... The art shows, yeah. We, yeah. Might have to, we might have to take the podcast on the road. Maybe <laughs> we can do a little Dave Chappelle hunting. <laughs> yeah, it's There's definitely a worth a visit. That I always want to go to. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say it's definitely worth a visit. Yeah. Um. So in the um the ceremony that was honoring Dave Chappelle, uh, there was a lot of people that got up and spoke and um, they showcased different clips of some of his comedy. And um, it was rather interesting um, to, to watch and it was very entertaining. Um, But there've been several ways that Dave Chappelle has used his comedy to address tough issues and call out racism. And it's not in the typical fashion you would expect a comedian to do. It's usually very thought provoking and very intelligent. Um, So I was wondering what are, the two of you, what are your thoughts on um, how he's done this in his career? And is there anything specific that sticks out to you most about how he's addressed these tough issues? Yeah. So I I guess my question back to you guys before I answer, just to make sure I understand sort of the, if you guys understand the context for which I'm answering the question, I'm assuming you guys all watch Chappelle's show. Oh, yes. (laughs) I I did not. (laughs) Oh, okay. Have you ever seen episodes of Chappelle's show? I've seen parts of it. Like, I, I mean, the ones that people talk about, I've seen different parts of, like the um, Rick James and um, that's really the one I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rachel, we yeah, have, like some, a- this is, hmm? I was going to, I was going to say, uh, <laughs> We watched a lot of Chappelle show. Uh, it was on when uh, my husband and I were first married. And so that kind of it's brings back a little nostalgia. Mm-hmm. But um, we actually have some of the episodes or some of the seasons on DVD. So if you'd like to borrow them, Rachel. You need to borrow them. I will. Welcome. Oh, my gosh. For sure. It's- I sure said, I feel said like we, we watched watch a lot them. of Chappelle show together. I mean, you guys probably watched it as a family, as, you know, young teenagers. 
No, 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 no. That's not family comedy. No. <laughs> that would not, not be our family comedy. <laughs> nope. Not exactly. Uh, but, you know, Cheryl, I do think that maybe um, it it was still on when our kids were really little. And so when we would hang out, you know, when the kids were small, I, yeah. I feel like we did. Yeah. I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. Oh, good. Yeah, but I agree with you. Good memories. Um, yeah. And I know, Sharissa, I was telling you earlier, um, or yesterday maybe, and, and Rachel, you earlier today, that the the special that aired on PBS, I watched it twice. So I caught it the first time when it aired originally a few weeks ago. And I didn't catch it from the very beginning, but I got the majority. I saw the majority of the content. And then I went back and watched it again online earlier this week. And both times I cried, which is not what you would expect when you're watching <laughs> a program about somebody who's um, primarily known for making you laugh, right? Right. Um, but I do think that that's one of the things that's unique about um, the way that Dave Chappelle uses humor. And, and I do think that there are other people um, who have have intelligently used humor before, but there's something, I mean, he's so incredibly intelligent about the way that he does it, that he can poke at something that's um, actually kind of painful and tender um, about what's wrong in America or about disenfranchised groups of people who are suffering through a particular um, injustice. But he has a way of exposing the racism and the inequality in a way that still allows you to sort of laugh through the pain and, and you can use humor as a as a relief. It doesn't necessarily take away from um, the, the pain that you might be feeling, but um, much like a lot of things, when you confront something and call it out, that starts to break apart the power that it has over us in America. Yeah, I think that he he did a lot of like he would touch on really touchy subjects, but almost like he would he would make these statements that would kind of strike people maybe the wrong way but out of the goodness of his heart like to really make people to ref make people reflect upon it more so than to make them angry but i think it was yes. like some of the stuff he said i mean i was laughing and crying at the same time and then it was it was intense it was more intense than i had expected it to be i guess so. yeah i i think you hit the nail on the head you can laugh and cry at the same time and um I don't know. It's me. That's genius. Absolutely. Right. I mean, he's he's so incredibly intelligent, and um, the way that he pokes fun at these issues and and makes light of it, at the same time, it it almost makes you think, oh, you know, I haven't thought about that particular thing in that way before. Maybe I should, you know, it kind of gets your your gears going a little bit, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that was funny, but you know, he has a point. You know, so I think it, it gives people the ability to think about those tough things um, and they were able to receive it, receive that thought or idea because it came in the form of comedy. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing that is um, I don't I don't think it's unique, but I think it's part of the the um, the magic that Dave um, brings to the work that he does is that. He, everybody's kind of in on the joke, right? So he'll, he's poking fun at you, but he's having fun. He's, but you're having fun with him at the same time. So, and he doesn't discriminate about who he is nope. making fun of. Everybody's included. Everybody has the opportunity to get burned. So, um, it's, it's an equal opportunity. <laughs> 
kind of situation, <laughs> if you want to call it that. <laughs> I, I liked what he said. Um, it, so he was the final sort of the final act um, in the program that that was on PBS. And during his acceptance speech, he talked a lot about the comedians that he rubs shoulders with and that he's worked with through the years. And I liked what he said about he said every single opinion or perspective in America is represented by somebody in comedy. You know, every, you know, every opinion is, is there. Um, and he said, he, he kind of encouraged, I think all of us, and I, he's uh, to kind of take a deep breath, chill out and figure out how to talk to each other and don't take things so seriously, which I think that's exactly what we all need right now. Tensions are so high Um, Things feel so serious. And not that we shouldn't take things seriously, but I think his point is, is that if we're really looking, if we really want to see somebody's humanity, we need to break down some of those walls and recognize and respect um, who who people are, not just opinions, um, and connect in that way first. Um, And I think he's right. I agree. I think another thing he's a very down to earth, very just kind of real person. And I think... um, that is as a lot of his appeal as well. The one part that I liked about the end also when he was talking was when he said that his mom, I believe she it was the griot who was part of like African culture. They had all the stories and they would carry the stories down and try to tell all these stories from history. And that was how they passed them on from generation to generation. And I think it was kind of a neat perspective that he sort of was the griot, like he was the storyteller, but he did it in a different manner. <laughs> Yeah, that was really good. I um I loved the tribute that he gave to his mom in his final speech. Um, that story. And then just, I mean, honestly, the sacrifice as a mom and the risk that she took in supporting her son doing something that he loved. I mean, he was telling the story and I'm thinking to myself, I don't know if I'd do that for my kid. Um, right, and so I think right. it, it I, per, personally, right, exactly. And so it kind of challenged me a little bit. I'm like, I don't know, like maybe I do need to think about what I would do to support my child a little bit more. I mean, his mom was literally going to nightclubs with him when he was what, 15 years old. Yeah. He was still in high school. I mean, he talked yeah. about it. Yeah. He talked about it like 17 or something doing a show and his grandma and his mom were both there. And he was like, no, please don't come. <laughs> but they yeah, did anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty good. That was great. <clears throat> yeah, so he definitely had a lot of family support, which, you know, that is a, a definite impact on your success when you have the support of family. So that was pretty amazing, the tribute that he gave to his mom. <clears throat> so I was telling Rachel earlier today, too, that I I don't know why I didn't realize Dave Chappelle is 44 years old. I mean, he's basically, he's our age. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about. Um, just in terms of his legacy and comedy and that he's our age. Um, but I think that might be part of it, too. Like, I do feel like Dave uh, does represent sort of our generation and he represents us and represents how we feel. Um, and so maybe that's part of the sort of the emotional response to it, too, is you do feel like there's somebody that actually gets you. And um, he's he has a a funny way of expressing a lot of the feelings that we have that we might not necessarily be able to um, verbalize so eloquently. Yeah. And I think uh, that uh, is exactly why um, 
he was chosen by Lorne Michaels, uh, who is the producer of SNL. Um, Lorne Michaels, he spoke during the ceremony um, that was honoring Dave with receiving this award. And he said that he specifically chose Dave Chappelle to host uh, SNL immediately following the 2016 election, just because, you know, spirits were really low and people were, you know, feeling all kinds of uh, feeling all kinds of ways. And um, so he specifically said, Dave, you need to, you need to host and, and do the monologue. And looking back on it now, um, you know, that was a huge impact for that time period. What he had to say was, was really important and really relevant. And um, do, do you guys remember seeing that or, or, or remembering what he said and, and what, what stood out to you the most about that? I know I'd seen a, or I'd listened to a podcast shortly thereafter, after the election, and they brought up the similar point because I believe he said something about how like this is when, this is when people really shine with their art. Like you know, when things are a little bit rough, that's when people look to comedians and and whatnot to bring them through. And this other um, podcast that I listened to at the time had said that like a lot of music and and comedy and. Um, books and whatnot are written when things seem really rough <laughs> because people really let their um, kind of let their art show or their their creativity show and and I think they kind of brought that up that like this was the time where you're going to see a lot of um, maybe more profound thinking or or deeper deeper levels of people's humor and people's art and creativity because it's when we need it the most if people are, are um, kind of in a in a different sort of spot as far as the nation goes and. Yeah, and, uh, I don't know. Going through a transitional st- stage, maybe. So I just I just looked it up what you were talking about, Rachel. And I think Lauren Michaels mentioned that Dave read the quote from Toni Morrison. Yeah. Um, before when yes. they were planning the show. So here's the quote. Um, this is precisely the time when artists go to work. There's no time for despair, no place for self-pity, no need for silence, no room for fear. That was, but he read that before um, he read that to like the cast to kind of boost their morale before doing the show. Is that right? I believe so. Yes. So I remembered a little bit about the um, monologue that Dave did right after um, the, the Trump, the 2016 Trump election. Um, But I didn't remember a lot. So I actually went back and um, I rewatched it on YouTube. Thank you, YouTube. Um, And we'll (laughs) post a link to that, that clip too. Maybe along with a few other Trace um, Chappelle show uh, clips as well. <laughs> y- y'all got to see it. If you haven't seen it, you're missing out. Yeah. Um, but but it was really good. It was. Um, and I do remember, I remember my reaction the first time I saw it a couple of years ago. And I remember feeling it did. It felt kind of like a lot of the other um, Dave Chappelle comedy. It feels like a healing. It feels like a little bit of balm on a wound. Um but the other thing that I really appreciated about what he said, and I mean, again, the humor, he talked about how up in arms white people were about the election. And he said, mm-hmm. and he talked about the rioting and I think it was the yeah. rioting in Seattle and yeah. they did a million dollars worth of damage to which black people responded lightweights. Um, <laughs> right, right. Like what? <laughs> like really? That's this the best new. you could do. Right. <laughs> uh, um, but he called out, he's like, this is not anything new for black America. Like, we're used to this. We're used to things that seem wrong and where there's injustice. Um, and so he kind of called out that, hey, how you guys are feeling, 
take note because this is how a lot of disenfranchised people in America have felt for a really long time. Um, so again, that that place where he's making a really good point and making a political statement, but doing it with a with a touch of humor um, that allows us to laugh um, but reflect all at once. The thing that stuck out to me the most about uh, what he said that night was, I think he might have even ended on this, but he said, you know what? I'm going to give the guy a chance. Let's not count ourselves out. We are the United States of America. You know, we need to come together and be who, what makes America, who, you know, who we are. And so let's, let's focus on the positive and let's, let's try to make the best of it. And I just like that positive spin that he put on it, even though it was like a lot of people were devastated. He was like, you know what? It, the world's not over. You know, mm -hmm. life isn't stopping. Let's let's do our best to keep moving forward and be as positive as we can. And let's let's try to come together and make make things work the best that we can. So I, I yeah. like that he said that. Yeah, I think he even mentioned, you know, this isn't this isn't the worst thing that's happening right now. Right. We talked about all the killings. <clears throat> and I think just the previous year um, had been the mass shootings in the nightclub in Orlando. And he called that out as saying, hey, guys, like, yeah, this is bad, but don't forget all this other stuff that's happening in America, too. Right. Right. Um, so along with Lauren Michaels, um, Dave was honored uh, by a variety of actors and comedians um, uh, during the, the showcase. And they all spoke of um, personal messages, uh, experiences uh, of knowing Dave, uh, was there anybody in particular that you thought was really compelling or impacted you or that you kind of were surprised about, you know, hearing their experience with Dave? I think that anybody? one thing that I noticed was that they all had these funny stories, but then there was always this really deep, like way he inspired them. Or, I mean, it was, if they were older than him, younger than him, there was this way that he kind of changed them as a person or as a comedian just by working with him. And I thought that was um, kind of a unique, a unique, unique aspect of what they were telling. Like, it wasn't like, oh, he was the funniest guy I ever met, or he did this and that, and it made me laugh. It was like, he was really funny, but then when he said this, it really made me reflect. Or when he did this, it made me change how I did things too. And I, I really liked that, um, that part of really everybody's speech that, um, that talked about him. And they even talked a lot about how he was kind of their, somebody that really supported them and really got behind them and, and made them better. So I really liked, I liked that, I guess, the most. Well, I loved all the speeches. Um, and of course, I love John Legend's speech because he's John Legend, number one. Number two, <laughs> oh. he's from Ohio and he talked about Ohio. <laughs> right. So I loved all that. Um, so that goes number one, just because it's Ohio. Um, but number two, I um, really enjoyed the talk from his, um, his partner, his writing partner, Neil Brennan. Oh my <laughs> gosh, that guy is funny. I don't He's know why he, he wasn't funny. Um, but oh my goodness, that was hilarious. Um, he, he's pretty amazing. I've seen him, uh, on some other podcasts and he, he's extremely hilarious. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. And he doesn't even seem like he's trying, which I think is the he always like, kind of rolls off his yeah and he kind of has this like straight face like the whole time which makes it even funnier i think so yeah. um but yeah what he had to say was really cool but i like the part where he brought he, and i had forgotten about this skit where he talked <clears throat> about this skit where dave Chappelle quit the show because he got oprah pregnant <laughs> yeah i forgot <laughs> oh about gosh. that too i was like oh my goodness <laughs> 
Oh, that was really funny. Oh, and then the other thing that I really enjoyed, just because it brought back so many memories, and really has nothing to do with the impact that Dave Chappelle has on America, but he talked about the movie Half-Baked that they <laughs> wrote together and how bad it was. How awful it was. Yeah. Yeah. And the worst part, and I remember, I went, I went and saw that movie in the theaters when it came out. Did you really? I did. <laughs> That's hilarious. Now, do you remember all the different movies that he said that they opened against? Like they opened against Titanic and what were the other ones? Wag the Dog. Yeah, Wag the Dog. Will Hunting, I think. It's like, what were we thinking we were going to do? Yeah, that's pretty funny. chance. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I did not realize that um, uh, Dave Chappelle was in the movie with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. How yes. did I? How did I miss that? The star I ne- is born. Yeah, I never went to see that movie, and I had no idea he was in it. And I, I'm not a huge like. I mean, I like Lady Gaga, but I'm not a huge Lady Gaga fan. Or Bradley Cooper's all right, but I didn't ever go see it. So now I want to see it because I know Dave Chappelle was in it's, it. <laughs> but first of all, it's a great movie. I, I you know. I, want it. You should see it. I, I know. I just haven't. Um, Tiff, have you seen it, Rachel? No, I really don't. I, I don't get out much, which is why I was so heartbroken that we're doing this remotely. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably on DVD or or on demand. I'm sorry. I'm from the 90s. Um, right. DVD, what the heck? I was <laughs> talking about VCR. <laughs> I got my beta. I'm going to get out my beta. Damn it. See if I can watch it. Um, but yeah, the scene that Bradley was talking about during yeah. the honors, um, it is a really good scene. And I that was the first time that I had seen Dave Chappelle doing much of anything for a long time. Yeah. Um, so I remember it. I remember when uh, that scene started. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, it was a big surprise. And it, it it was really good. It felt very genuine. Did you know he was in it before you saw the movie? No. Yeah, I had no idea. I think if I had known that he was in it, I probably would have made more of an effort to see it. But um, I thought Bradley Cooper's tribute um, to Dave, talking about the scene that they uh, uh, did together in that movie, he he seemed like it was a very profound and a very um, uh, memorable experience for him. He he mentioned it being one of the best scenes he's ever acted with somebody else. So I think that you know, for someone going from doing all this comedy for him to be able to, to flip and do something so serious. Um, I think that just shows his, his talent and his intellect. So that kind of, that's, that surprised me. I had no idea that he was in that. (laughs) Yeah. I think what other thing folks, and obviously we will include a link to um, the, the Kennedy center Honors show um, when we, um, when we post the podcast, I will say though, just as a warning, I know that those are time-based and they're not always available on demand forever unless you've got a PBS um, subscription as a as a donor. Um, so definitely check it out sooner rather than later. But one of the other really cool things about the special, um, they intersperse, they, they cut it in with um, actual um, onstage comedy performances from a number of comedians that have been with Dave throughout his career. Um, they were all performing at a comedy club in D.C., which is pretty cool, too. Yeah, it was really cool how they put it all together. Yeah. Um, So I think one of you had already mentioned this earlier, but it's kind of ironic that um, Dave Chappelle was receiving the Mark Twain Prize when Mark Twain himself had written some pretty racist things. (laughs) And it was even mentioned by some of the SNL cast members when they were doing their um, tribute. Um, So (laughs) (laughs) the white guy, he was like, I came here to honor Mark Twain. Right. (laughs) 
So do you think Mark Twain's uh, turning in his grave right now, knowing that Dave Chappelle got his award? I think Mark Ch- or Mark, Mark Chappelle, Lord, Lord, <laughs> Mark Twain should be turning in his grave being like, I can't believe I wrote that book with all that stuff in it. Man, what a hindsight, always 2020. <laughs> Hopefully at this stage, if Mark Twain was still alive, he'd be evolved. Perhaps. Right. I guess I, I don't know enough about who Mark Twain really was as a person. Um, I think I would like to believe that um, if he is, uh, if he was as intelligent and witty and thoughtful as um, we remember him historically, um, that he would have a lot of uh, respect and and would would honor the the genius um, that comes through in, in Dave Chappelle's comedy. I guess that's what I hope for. <laughs> and that's just his like pen name, right? Like, wasn't he Samuel? Clemens? Oh, yeah. Clemens, Samuel so. Clemens. So maybe Samuel Clemens was like a real open-minded. <laughs> there open-minded you go. Guy. Yeah. Mark Twain was the one that used the uh, inappropriate there language. There you go. <laughs> well, we, <laughs> well, we all thoroughly enjoyed watching the PBS special. So you guys will have to be sure to check it out. And um, I do believe, uh, according to the PBS website, it is available until early February. So you'll want to jump on there and watch that. And of course, we will post uh, links so that you guys can um get access to that and, and be sure to share what you think and share your co- thoughts and comments. So, all right, taking action. Who's got taking action? Oh, I do, Rachel. <laughs> um, the library is has been having different presentations regarding slavery and um, being Black in America. And there's one coming up February 17th that I I'd kind of shared with you guys that I was interested in going to. It was Facing the Divide, the Impact of Slavery. And it is from, it was on February 17th from 6 to 8.30. And we'll post a link on the, in the show notes. There are Eventbrite tickets. I believe they're free though. So you just have to sign up and reserve a spot. Have you been to one of those before? I have not. I went to see a speaker um, one time at the library who discussed, actually it was an author. And I went and, um, participated in that and had him sign a book, but I have not done the new being black in America, or um, I think they have one breathing while black uh, was one that was recent. And I was going to go to it and something came up where I was out of town that day. So I would like to see this one though, or go to this one. Yeah. Cause so I know a lot of people have gone and really enjoyed them or gone back. They've, they've really been thought provoking. I guess. So this one's um, sponsored or hosted it's hosted it's at the the library, but it's hosted by the Columbus African Council. Yeah, they do a lot of stuff, don't they? Yeah, they've really been putting out a lot of stuff. That's lately. cool. Very cool. I hope we get to go. Yes, we'll have to make a point of making it on the calendar. And I hope we see some of our Columbus friends there as well. Yes. <laughs> if you're there and you see us, come say hi. <laughs> We'll have to get t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> we should. Yeah, That's a great we idea. We need some. We need some merchandise. Yeah. <laughs> some merch. Swag. <laughs> All right. So in the okay. news, is that you, Charlotte? Oh, in the news. Okay. So I think in the news is going to be a bit of a shared conversation. Hopefully we don't cry. Right. Um, I'm not going to even participate because I know I'll cry. Microphone on mute, Rachel. Get your tissue. Um, okay. So there were a couple things that we wanted to talk about this week. So um, the uh, 
news story that has that um, struck me this week um, that I wanted to talk, sort of get talk about and get your guys's feedback on um, is the Botham Jean Foundation commercial that will be airing during the Super Bowl um, this coming Sunday. So once we post the podcast, um, the Super Bowl will have passed. Hopefully, folks will have seen that. We'll include a a link to it in the show notes, but um, it's. It, it's a PSA technically that's sponsored by the NFL, and it's in cooperation with Jay Z's um, organization and the partnership that they've recently announced with the NFL, which has been controversial um, right. given everything that's happened with with Colin Kaepernick. So on one hand, I think there's sort of everybody's looking at it with a with a side eye at Jay Z and the NFL. Um, on the other hand, though, uh, this particular commercial talks about Botham Jean. Botham Jean is the young man who was sitting in his apartment eating ice cream on his couch when the Texas police officer came into the wrong apartment and shot him dead. And I believe it it was his um, sister and maybe some other people who have come together to uh, found the, the Botham Jean Foundation. And this commercial talks about why they um, who Botham Jean was and um, why they have um, started this foundation so that um, other black men don't have to be afraid just because they're black. Um, so I don't know if you guys had a chance to actually see the commercial yet. No, I hadn't had a chance to look at it. I, I kind of am one of those people that I like to watch the Super Bowl commercials like during the Super Bowl. So I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't go watch it, but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Rachel? I was, I, when I got the, you sent me the, the link. And when I got it, I was actually at a basketball game. And I remember looking at it and kind of reading what it was about. And the person that I was sitting with, I looked at her and I said, well, this won't make anybody angry. Like, this isn't going to spark some opinions. And she was like, oh, that looks, it looks like that's going to be you know, a good talking point. So I have not watched it. Um, I've been somewhat emotional lately. So I've been really trying to keep my watching things that I know will make me cry uh, to a minimum. So I will, I will watch it maybe later. I don't know. Sounds like <laughs> or, a good or plan. Or I'll wait until the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> I'll watch you need a little stress relief around. and you need to just cry it out. Yeah. Just cry. Well, it I'll will be it interesting. In <laughs> <laughs> right before you go to work, right? In the shower yeah. when I can cry. I don't know. <laughs> so I'm sure there's a lot of people that haven't seen it yet. So it'll be interesting to see what the reaction is mm -hmm. to it. You know how usually there's like, you know, for Super Bowl ads, there's always the two or three that, people are always talking about. Mm -hmm. So we'll see if, if it's one that kind of strikes a nerve with people or hits them in a certain way. So, yeah, and I think it is funny how the Super Bowl ads go. Like some years it's everything's funny or everything's, you know, crazy and silly. And, and then other years it's everything is very like trying to unite people and bring people together and reflective and, and, and that is funny. And so I'm wondering how it'll go this year. Cause I've seen a couple, maybe trailers or something for the ads and it seems like they're they're kind of going both ways this year as far as being funny and a little bit thought-provoking so we'll see how it goes yeah well speaking of sad news um the one thing that i think is is kind of hard to talk about that happened this week was um uh the untimely passing of kobe bryant and his daughter gianna and the other seven passengers that were on the helicopter um that crashed in uh, calabasas california and i think um this was so shocking and I think everybody, it hit everybody. Like it seems like the whole world, the, you know, at least all of America was ex just extremely um, 
touched by and, and affected by his passing. And um, I I was waiting for uh, Jamel Hill, who um, was a previous ESPN uh commentator she's you know in the sports world i was waiting for her to comment and she actually did um publish an article on the atlantic which is who she writes for now and um i didn't realize that they kind of had a disagreement about the whole trayvon martin situation and there were some comments that kobe made at the time that you know they very much disagreed about and the one thing that i thought was really cool about kobe was that he had a conversation with Jamal, I think probably with other people too. And he, he changed his mind about what he said and he kind of evolved and um, he ended up being an advocate uh, for Trayvon Martin and his family. So um, I think that overall Kobe just had such a big impact um, in a lot of ways. He was a, a, he had four daughters. And so he was a huge supporter of the WNBA. You know, his daughter was an up and coming basketball star and um, I think it's really cool to see on social media that hashtag girl dad is trending because of his influence and and how awesome uh, of a father that he was and how inspirational he was for that. And so um, there's a lot of good good things that we can take away um, from Kobe's influence and as, as sad and shocking as it it has been to see, you know, all the, the news stories about it. Um, he was an incredibly... Uh, great person and the world was better because he was in it. So did you, did you guys have a very strong reaction to the I'm news? not going to say anything else. Otherwise I'll have to cry. <laughs> We're done. I We're know. done here. <laughs> well, so congratulations, well done, Teresa. Teresa, for getting through that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been tough, but uh, his legacy lives on for sure. And I really hope that they change the NBA logo. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that there's a petition um, the current player that they have in the NBA logo, um, they uh, there's a petition <clears throat> to change it to to Kobe's image. So I I wow. hope that that happens. So so yeah. Well, the takeaway from this is if there's someone you haven't talked to, tell them to go go yep. call them to send them a text. Tell the people that mean something to you that you love them. Um, you know, our time on this earth is very short. Uh, make it count and. Um, do something to, to make your life matter. So that's our takeaway. Well, Sharissa, thanks for leading the show today. Um, we, um, it was good talking to you and Rachel, even though we weren't able to do it in person. Um, but we also want to thank everybody who joined us for another edition of Bound for Justice, and we will see you again next week. Goodbye. All right. Sounds good. Let's see you later. See you later. Bye-bye.